0: Welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name is Mark Smith and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. This week on the exchange, we traveled to Portugal for Meets, a female-first conference for music industry professionals organized by She Said So. Among the talks, workshops and music showcases that took place there in Porto last October, was an interview with Sonar Festival's Head of Communications, Georgia Talietti. Since the late 90s, she's been the international festival brand's digital marketing mastermind, the centre of its international media network and guiding hand behind its PR and online strategies. In conversation with Martha Pazienti-Caden, we learned from her wealth of experience in the industry, covering how to deal with stress, the importance of network building, and tips for navigating high-pressure professional environments. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at RA-exchange. The exchange with Georgia Talietti is up next.
1: I was in this long dark
2: tunnel. And I felt that I was in this long dark tunnel. seconds. I'm Giorgia Taglietti. I'm the head of Coma Sonar since '95, meaning the year after being created. I've been working with Sonar forever, uh, though I share with uh, Maria, Ben, and the people that have been here, which share the same. Frame, time frame. Uh, I've been a booking agent first for Sonar, also know a lot of things about music and the music business. And then five five years ago, uh, almost not when it was created, but almost, uh, I met Andrea uh, via via a dear friend that is not here actually, She's called Joanna Seguro, which is a fantastic also music hero of mine in the music business. And she said there is this platform. Join this platform. You will like to meet the creator, and I met Andrea. So now I am the board member of uh, She Said So. I I like to be called uh, the Italian Spanish mother uh, because I'm 53, which is very important to state. I don't believe in age. It's like age is not the limit. Uh, you know i have a very dear friend also that's, she's 18 and one day she did a fantastic speech about her ageless future because you know kids don't wa- don't look at me like oh you're a grandma they look at me as like what do you do what you can me offer me what can you tell me what can i give you so that's the the, the giving and taking of the of the intersection in, into generations is such an important thing to state there's many things in my mind right now because I've heard, I've listened to all this conference and I know where, what I would like to present myself with. Uh, but it's important to state that it's 25 or 26 years in the business, has uh, taught me a lot, but there's still so much to learn.
1: Mm, learning all the time. So when you first started working in the music industry, what were you working as?
2: When I started working for Sonar, I started because I was assisting design in the catalogue because i am always been an early adopter, as most of you already know. And uh, I had a computer, a Mac, which almost nobody had. And uh, and that computer we, we did design is assisted by the computer, which is now stupid to say, but at the time was pretty special. So I came in to do the catalogue and the guys, which are three men, kind of spot me out and started saying, oh, how many languages do you speak and where are you from and blah, blah, blah.
1: Would you be able to share with us some kind of early memories of Sonar? Like what was it like when it was first starting out? Can you describe the parties for us?
2: Well, I have a mentee through YouTube and we were remembering the first years with her because it helps a lot to understand that we were six people or seven. And we were already the first sonar that they did was 7,000, but the second sonar that they did it was 14,000. So the jump in capacity and people was huge, and the ability to stay alive was pretty tight. So we actually had, I would say, three to four years with no mobiles, which is very important on the state, and no nothing digital. But uh, we were doubling capacity or almost doubling capacity year per year. And, um, you know, you don't make a profit in the first year or the second, but at, at least the, the the team was getting bigger. And we had like, you know, we had to adapt the venues all the time. Actually, if you see the story of Sonar, it, it starts with a small venue, then the next year is another venue. And then in three years, that was the Marbella, which was a historical place near the sea that we used for, I think, I reckon it was three years or something. But then again, we had this. So working for the music industry back then, I was in a booking, so it was horrible. Horrible meaning I worked for most of the techno DJs of Detroit, Long Garnier, Richie. I worked with Maria. We, I was with Maria and a couple of women more. We were the only women working back at the time. And um, for sonar and booking was a pretty, pretty tough, but really, really like fantastic time in which you never sleep. You know, basically, you never sleep. I'm uh, is working with something that you know, that is endlessly alive and endlessly changing until you will reach a certain kind of point of maturity, which we reached after the 2000. But the first five years was, uh, were, were incredible. But we were building everything so it it, we put all our energy at the time i was 30 well all of us the three the three bosses and me we were 30 at the time 35 and electronic music at the time was so niche that everybody that cared about electronic music kind of flagged the event instantly and um one of the first journalists, which we're still very, very much in touch, was Anne Hilde and Nizette and Rob Young from The Wire. Uh, they came in 1996 and uh, we became friends. That's when the direction of the festival decided that I was the head of international media also. And um, And I think that electronic music community back then was very tight, so we knew we know each other very well and we knew what we were doing, what what kind of music we wanted to push for. And, you know, as, as I agree with Ben, I think that Sona was the first festival that put DJs at the same level as the artists. So, um, meaning that the DJ wasn't the end of the party, the beginning of the party was the party. So um, that changed and shifted into a different paradigm that right now is is what we all live for, you know? And Resident Advisor, beyond everything, is like DJs are uh, the main part of our community. And, you know, it's, it's what I think that at the time was like, the DJs are the selectors, we were the selectors for them. Uh, so yeah, the media, I mean, we communicated by normal phone, fax, so normally when I register press, when they started coming, like in, that's a very funny story. I started having a lot of press, like a lot of press. I actually love it. I was super happy. But we had to do all the accreditations by fax. So normally we, we spent like the whole week and weekend by sending fax to them of the confirmation of the accreditation. But literally we spent like 18 hours like preparing faxes and sending to the people saying you can come to Sonar and you need to pick up your little badge here and that was huge I think you know I was so happy when the email came to my life I was like thank you internet
1: <laughs> it's a game changer totally um, so would you be able to break down for us exactly what your
2: role requires today adapting to the technology and internet is is very important in any job and that's my skill. I'm really fortunate because despite all my age, I love technology. I'm a bit of a nerd. And um, I think that technology has helped me understand how to network and how to build a network properly. I think what you need as a skill basically uh, in, in, in the basics is uh, that you don't reject technology, first of all, because even if we hear that the new generation is very connected, it's not true. I teach and when I talk to them, they don't know what very connected means in terms of jobs. They, they have fun, they Snapchat, they tweet, but they don't use technology or they don't use the online world to really network. And then they come back and complain to me, oh, I couldn't find any contact or I couldn't work there. And I was like, how is your LinkedIn page? How is your social network? How are you working around it? So it's very important to balance online online branding and offline personal thrive work, but I think also the very important thing is to think that it's not a comfortable job; it's a very hard job, especially for women. We were discussing with my Italian colleagues. I don't know if they're here. Uh, things about you know the period. You know you are working with festivals. You're working with. Endless nights and you have a period and you're like, nobody, you know, nobody plays games understanding that you're kind of ill once per month with something that happens and you are there at four o'clock in the morning like, yeah, I'm giving it all back. So for women in the music industry, it's very important to kind of feel that you are, you have other people to discuss these kind of issues, but also you need to be prepared to be quite strong. So train and mentally Training. I do agree with meditation and uh, learn from mentors. I really like the mentor scheme. I always wanted to be a mentor. I hope that I've been a good mentor to Andrea, but I I think that mentoring is what will stay after my life. It's like this is really something that I leave to the world.
1: Mm. How have you navigated having meetings with being like the only woman in the room?
2: I was a machist woman. I was trained to like men. I was like very comfy with men and very, you know, I could be and I always had men's boyfriend in a way. So it was like I friends men's friends. So I am very I'm still very comfortable with with men. I get along very well with with men in general. I can't share really bad experience in my life. I've been, you know, I've been traveling and living alone since 18, so uh, you you kind of toughen up a bit. But I think that when I realized that I wanted to turn my life into something different is when uh, really you feel that there was a shift five years ago. Not only she said so, five years ago something happened. You know, one of the directors, Sona, which is the most creative one, always said that everything is up there and you, bring it back. You know, we all connected and you just go up and it's time to bring this idea up or this trend up or this thing up. And I agree with that. I think it was a a timing. As, As festivals are very important when they happen. Sonar had a great timing. It's like what made Sonar very special? It had a great timing because it was the perfect time to do that at the time. So it's like, um, she said so was the perfect thing to happen five years ago. And I think this is how we navigate around the shift into a man's music industry into, OK, that's enough. But it should come as something that you you know it's the right time. Because I think there have been trying in the past, but it, it has to have uh, a backup of people believing that it's the time to happen. So with me and men, you know, I've been with Ben in different conferences. Um, when I married, I married late. I met my husband, God bless him, at 40. Um, he used to, the first years of our marriage, and he was so accustomed to see me like, she's the woman. The rest is all men. And he was a bit jealous in the beginning, like, it's all men. He's like, what is going on? And It's like, you know, it's always like that. So right now and and he's been very supportive about the change that she said so I represented in terms of panels and music industry and now we all I mean, even I would quote my friend Amy, the fact that we bond together also because we're women, it's it's a fantastic thing. It's not that we work together, it's the same if it's a man or women, but the fact that we bond in because we are women in the business is and add plus extra to our friendship and relationship. So mm. I think it's a fantastic thing.
1: Yeah. What would your tips be for navigating either a meeting or a high pressure environment like a, during a festival for where you are finding yourself when you're one of the only women there to get what you want out of the meeting and get your point across? What would your tips be?
2: Well, yesterday with my mentee, still use user, because it was a really inspiring session yesterday. We said, I said, you know, uh, experience helps you a lot to navigate around this because you never know when when. You know, I do a lot of uh, people don't know, but I also do the whole clearances of the festival and uh, I need to be in the pits a lot with my team. And normally, you know, I'm short, blonde, and I don't look like the boss. So they say, oh, this must be somebody that comes here, just, you know, maybe somebody with the artist. And so all my security, which is my security, the security I pay, has quite a difficult time to understand that I'm the boss. So I always have my assistant say, she's the boss, take care, don't say anything, behave, because she's the boss. It's not me, I'm a man, but she's the boss. So it's it's a very good exercise that we all laugh about, especially in the Sonic Club stage, is 15,000 people. Very big pit, very serious one. And uh, I always use my assistant to go first, the man. And he introduces me to the people. And then they understand that if I say stop, out, in, it's me. It's like not him. So we still have some kind of, you know, backstage in the production and in the security areas is very much a man's land. Still very much a man's land. So um, you need to kind of be be sure of it I'm Italian so I have a very bad temper Uh, when it comes to somebody trying to you know be injustice or unfair so I was like move out of my view or stay there or do that so I think projecting your authority is needed people need leaders and you need to accept the leadership so it's a very simple thing the moment you doubt of a, of yourself, um, it's the moment you lose the power of making people doing things, especially in a, in a in a in a night venue or with with a certain environment, which is kind of harsh in a way.
1: Mm. So when you're at the festival. Tell us about what you have to take care of, what you have to look
2: after, what are your responsibilities on the site during the festival? Do you really want to know? It's like, maybe we have an hour. (laughs) No, it's fun. It's like I have, during the festival, I have a great team, but it's depending on the, I take care, I am a head of comms, which right now for me means uh, digital marketing, uh, international media, international and national PR, and uh and uh, the whole strategy of online communication with Paul my lovely uh content manager um so we are more, we have more than a million and something followers and he takes care of all of it though i started doing all of them i take care of all i take care of all the clearances for the festival for uh, all the stages all the artists i take care of uh, personal like i mean more professional issues with headliners because I'm the face that everybody knows and, um, and I like that. Also there there is a kind of very important feature that I would like you to consider that is like when you work with headliners uh, the environment is really unfriendly. So the only way to go through uh, a manager, to manager or anything that happens within the headliner crew and environment you really need to project that you are the boss. Because, uh, you know, one of the things that I would like to happen less and less is that the artist feels he owns the festival, which is not true. You own the festival and the artist is guest of the festival, part of the festival. So, you know, this attitude is also something that maybe we haven't addressed yet. The importance of managers during the festival to understand that you are the boss and you are paying them instead of feeling that you are you know, you're, you're working for them. So this is a very important thing that still hasn't overcome in the backstage areas. Uh, aside of it, I I assist my directors if they need me to. Normally during summer no, we have a big crew and I thank all of them. But, you know, I basically am a vital connection to everything that is out there about Sonar.
1: Yeah, everything public-facing, yeah. Okay, and throughout the rest of the year, are you working at the other Sonar editions, the ones in other countries?
2: I supervise communication, but I don't need to go. Uh, Right now, um, we have a a lot of projects in the pipeline for 2020, so I think that it's it's more about uh, the corporate communication about the company too, uh, the company of Sona is called Advanced Music. We do also Sona Plus D. We do a lot of other things, especially in 2020, a lot of other things that related to music and culture and education that need my attention in terms of how to blend the the, the image of the company uh, into all these products and make sure that everybody has a kind of uh, clear idea of what the difference are in between them and what we do. The export of Sonar is very important in order to get in touch with local talent. So I'm very proud actually, and a shout out to Sonar Istanbul because the girls from Sonar Istanbul, Melis, thank you, uh, follow my Instagram and one day contact me saying, I want to do, she said so, Turkey. And I was like, you do? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I always followed you in Instagram and I see that she said so, so she actually, is the creator of She Says So Turkey. She's doing an amazing job there. And you know, it's a difficult country to do an amazing job there. So I think that the Sonar family uh, right now for me has blended into the She Says So family and, and the family we are.
1: Oh, that's so nice. So the rest of your working year, what are the kind of most intense moments, obviously around the festival, but is it around booking time as well? Is that intense? Yeah, I
2: mean, November is pretty tough now. All the festivals want to announce as soon as possible with a lot of lineup. It's very competitive out there. So yeah, I think October-November is the thoughtful month of uh, thinking strategy in general, is that we get bored very easily. So we never sit down on our success or we never... We're restless, literally, which makes sometimes a very stressful moment. But you know, being restless in a market of music is so important. It's like you look around and you watch the other festivals and you watch what they're doing. And you know, for me, benchmarking right now is very important. I like to learn things that I want to learn from others, and accept that you can't create a formula that is all yours. Now everything is shared, which I love and. You know, you get this idea and you get that and you do that. So I think actually to be a bit future thinking, I think 2020 will be a pretty important year for festivals in general. Because uh, the formula is out there. Some of them is dated, some of them need to survive, some of them need to reformulate everything about it. And I think it's, it's very important to understand that our business never rests and you need to be always online and always in touch and always listening to other people saying, have you got this problem? Do you know this? And what is your target to, to learn a lot every day? So yeah, now it's my time to learn and then to apply what I've learned, uh, the new stuff coming in.
1: Mm. Um, I think Sonar has a really good reputation for being very innovative. How do you guys maintain that?
2: Well, uh, when I met them, I was in jazz and they were like, why are you in jazz? It's like, electronica is your music. And I was like, no. It's like, yes, because now we, you work for us and uh, and you have to learn. So they took me to, a, one of the directors took me to a Laurent Garnier set that we were doing. And I was like, no, 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 I work on it, but I don't want to listen to that. Because it, was my, it wasn't my generation. I come from South uh, Europe that techno wasn't a reality in 93. So I was like, Okay, so I went to see Laurent and fell in love with Laurent and with his music. And, uh, and I think that I because of the embracing technology, embracing computers, embracing the non-vocal side of music, uh, actually there's a lot of relationship in between science and electronica. So I thought that this is so forward-thinking. And that's why I was thinking about time before. Electronica, sonar, festival... That's why it's called sonar. We anticipate sound before they come to you. And this is the, you know, the technique of sonar is, is, is this. And uh, brilliant name, by the way. And uh, at the same time, I think that we always kind of searching for something. So somebody forgot, but I still have it in my heart. Uh, for the 25th anniversary, we launched 32 trucks into space to an exoplanet called uh, Luter... Now it won't come. GT something. Uh, but we still have the website on and because it would probably take 25 years of our life to reach that exoplanet. And lots of artists collaborate for that. You know, Jean-Michel Jacques, Kurt Naïn, Cora, Novoa, and lots of people. And um, for me, this represented the ultimate goal of Sonar, which is we never rest. We always go towards the future. And when my one of the directors had the idea about the space and all of us, we were sitting and everybody took him seriously. Nobody laughed. It was like, how do you do that? Shall we contact the Astronomy Institute in Norway, which is actually in Tromsø? How do you send a micro track to space? So all of us, we were completely bought into it, saying, okay, fine. It's like, do you want me to email, you know, my network in order to find out how do you deal with astronomy? And, you know, and we actually did. So I think this was the, and is still, because it's ongoing message, but it's, it's a, the, it was the total example of what sonar is about. Mm. And so is it
1: a part of your job to go and find out a contact in space and organise <laughs> that?
2: Well, I do believe in LinkedIn. They haven't shared their shares yet with me, but I started LinkedIn a long time ago with a friend of mine that was part of the really kickstart of the, of the network. I have like 10,700 people in LinkedIn, which I think it's pretty cool to reach somebody that it's this startup or this thing, and then I go on LinkedIn and I found the person, and normally I contact them straight away for personal and professional reasons. I think you need the content. That's why she said, so the, the platform is so good, because you're like, I'm looking, for this in Norway. Well, I mean, this is the strength we have, as she said, so it's like, if you're looking for something, just email the girls. Um, I actually tested with Laurent because uh, Pat, which is also here, some one day saved my life for a thing that Laurent was looking for, and Laurent was like, I'm looking for that, and I don't have enough licenses, what do you do? And he's like, I emailed, she said so. And he was like, yeah, and he's like, yeah, I mean, we all work in music. Somebody will have a solution, and Pat actually had one in half an hour. Thank you, Pat. And um, so that's the useful thing about connecting and working. And yeah, I'm. I was a born collector. My mom sat me down in a bar. We used to have a house in Caracas near the coast, and I was a chatter. You can tell. And uh, but I was such a chatter that she set me down. I was like seven or eight. And her friends and, and her, she, they were asking me, okay, what happened today? I was studying. I listened to that, I heard that, somebody heard that, and blah, blah, blah. And you should listen to that. And so I was a bit of the radio. So, you know, uh, that's, that's my role, I think. <laughs> um, so,
1: Sonar Barcelona this year was on a different date to when it has been. As head of communications, could you tell me about how you navigated that? Because it was like a talking point in the music industry. Eyes were on Sonar. A lot of other events on off Sonar happened around that time. Um, Tell me about how you handled that this year.
2: We were forced to change the date two years ago by the trade fair organization which hosts Sonar because there was a textile fair coming in. Never happened before to us so uh, we weren't happy, but I have to say it was a challenge because of July. We never wanted to, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't own to either which festival it goes sooner or something else. You know, it's, it's a pretty special festival in the format and in the content too. So it's like, it was the wrong time, really the wrong time. I think we, my aim was like to test uh, in digital marketing, basically because that's what you should do. It's like, I'm going to a different month with different target, let's shift the target objective. So we had a lot of meaning about uh, how to market tourism, how to market certain people that actually are in Barcelona but they want to come to the festival because we know that we were losing the French market. Uh, July is a very bad month to be a Spanish festival for France. They have a lot of festival. They have a special kind of holiday moment. So I knew that I was losing one of my, well, not losing, but I was already losing people coming from one of our main markets. Our main markets are, um, well, Spain of course, UK, France, uh, Italy. So uh, I pushed a lot on Italy. I tried to over push on France, especially the coast you know, that's the way you do. It's like, who can come to Sonar. So another thing that I would like to leave as a tip, which is a very interesting thing for festivals and for music business in general and venues, is that all the nations um, have, are obliged to give out the information about tourism in a very public way. So you can download any information about the flow of tourism from all the, you know, you say tourism in Spain during July uh, 2020. And you will have a prediction, you will have the post prediction. And this is so important for us. You know, we are a seasonal event. So um, actually, I discovered this kind of side of things like you have all this information that grab and get it in order to retarget your public. Uh, Past year, we started well, it's now two years that we are part of, of sonar, the of sonar label, not of week And uh, so we worked together with, um, with the G- digital marketing manager, Robert, which works for both brands. Uh, it was a challenge, but then again, uh, we had other challenges this year that were very hard on us. And uh, I think that every challenge that comes kind of helps you restart again. Mm.
1: And you've kind of mentioned to us your passion for technology, and that's like seen throughout Sonar. Would you tell everyone a bit more about Sonar D, and um, yeah, what can I expect?
2: mean, Sonar D is the evolution of um, of something that we've done from scratch since '95. Actually, since '94, uh, the three directors never thought of Sonar as a music festival. We always had art and conference and panels uh, back then, and then we had a, a kind of you know, because there was no internet, but there was already tech tech installation at the time. One of my favorite, we did uh, an installation called Telematic Dreaming by Paul Sermon. And without the internet, without anything, you had this bed in which you can lay and touch an image, and the image was reacting with you. And uh, that was, if you find it online, it's it's a fantastic installation. You know, every time we did these kind of installations, I always thought, you know, we're one step closer to the Internet. We're one step closer to online. We did one of the first experiments in Barcelona about geolocalization. Uh, that was also fantastic. Uh, you had this, I can't remember the name of the people, but we had all these people kind of trying to, uh, geolocalizing themselves, which now seems Stupid, but it's not, you know, it, it wasn't possible to geolocalize people at the time. Uh, so from Sonamatica and all these uh, activities, uh, when we moved to the Trade Fair building, we had the Congress Palace, and that was the perfect occasion to create something a bit more articulate, which is what Sona Plus D is. It's a Congress about, you mm. know, technology, creativity, and business. is about discussing how technology, embracing technology, and discussing how technology is actually helping or can help the evolution of crea- creativity and arts in general. So I think it was very much needed. It's actually, this is sonar to me. It's like you go to see something that happens on stage with the most advanced you know, technology and immersive or whatever that we could do, because immersive technology is still very expensive. But when you go to Sona Plus D, you see what it will be. So that's very important. You have the, the future here in a small scale, say you can do that and that and that. But then some of the artists actually bring it to life if they can or if we can. But that's that's the transition interesting transition in between Sona plus D and Sona at the same time. It happens at the same time as Sona by Day. So it makes total sense for me and, and now it has his own audience.
1: Mm. What are your aspirations for Sona moving forward?
2: I mean I love this forever changing moods to quite the style council. Banned in the 90s. Um, we're always changing and I think we should always change. I, you know, and I hope you all adapt this kind of style of life because uh, our neuron system needs change to maintain a life. So as much as you train and you do yoga, you do meditation, you go running or you do whatever you do in your life, uh, moving your body is very important, but moving your neurons, it's even more important. So, you know, it's actually, I was reading a very important article on Alzheimer, and, you know, every single doctor will tell you that the way to keep your brain alive till the end is to learn a new language when you're 60, or do something that you never do, and escape the comfort zone every time you can. And this is what I do, and this is, I think, what we do at Sona. We escape the comfort zone. The moment you, you say, oh, this stage is fine, everybody's looking at it like, oh, boring. I like, what do you mean? Fine, we need to change something, you know? And I think that's how Sona excess, the stage devoted to Trap, were born in April, which is literally was two months before the festival. Uh, we had a meeting and the director said, you know, we need another stage. And I was like, okay. And how do you do? So Sergio, the director said, production. Uh, The other is like, I have all this talent and we don't know where to put them. And I say, oh, that's great. It's something that I can communicate anytime.
1: Mm. And what about your personal aspirations? Are there things in the music industry that you've still always wanted to try or areas that you're keen to move into? That's an
2: interesting question. I think, yeah, I was talking with Rachel that it's, uh, she said so, France. Uh, there, I am feeling that I really need to know more about publishing, and uh, because I'm so connected online, and I, you know, I love data and analytics, and publishing right now it's data and analytics a lot. So, uh, and I, you know, if I had a second life, I would probably be doing what Rachel does because publishing is so important to sustain the industry and the. And to understand how publishing can be actually profitable for both the artists, uh, the publishing houses, and how music is distributed, it's so important, you know. Um, and I think, yeah, I think publishing is right now something I would like to s- scratch ahead and learn and do like, learn how it works and understand because it's my, it's it's the, the moment in which I've, I was never obliged to get into publishing and never obliged to get, and to understand it, but I definitely want to know more about publishing. And another thing is that I actually help, you know, one of my friends to kind of his career. And at the same time, I, you know, music is a 360 degrees function in which there's a lot to know. And if you don't know something, because it's not about being specialized on production, but I love production. You know, if you want me, anybody wants to hire me for a production moment, I'm available uh, because, it's, it's about the sync of everything that happens at the same time. And if you know what you're doing, it's a fantastic orchestra, the production. It's like directing an orchestra and uh, it's a very fulfilling moment.
1: Mm. Well, we are just coming to the end of our time together today. But before you go, we know that you never rest, but you have had an amazing career in the music industry. So what is your piece of advice or your tip for taking care of yourself when you're seriously committed to working in music?
2: Well, you know, there's no way to avoid a certain type of stress, but that was, again, that was something that I was sharing with, bad, no. I mean, our, our work includes a serious amount of good stress which is adrenaline, which is, uh, and, and a serious amount of bad stress because you don't manage the stress the right way. So basically is first of all to de destigmatize the word stress. You know, stress is not only I'm stressed, is I'm naturally good stressed because I have all this to take care of. So I embrace my good stress and I manage this stress the way that you know breathing or running or I walk, for instance. I walk I work daytime and nighttime at Sonar with my teams. And I walk, I walk like 30, 40 kilometers because you know, the venues are huge. But by walking, I order my priorities. And I also think that walking, I think it was Alison talking about walking. And uh, walking for me is a way to uh, not run. Meaning if I can't be there for that time, I will tell everybody that this is my time to reach that place or that interview, or whatever because you master your time in a different way. So you don't run to the things, you walk to the things, knowing which is your priority. I think it's a very good metaphor about what I think is, uh, is the future of this uh, stress management. It's not to be running around. Running around has no point. You know, when somebody says, I'm running around, you're like, why? It's like, either you're going somewhere, either you're staying with me, but running around doesn't really explain what it means to, to master your energy, physical energy and mental energy that you need. So, you know, for me, meditation doesn't work. I'm sorry. Uh, though I have calm and head space and I'm trying to be very Silicon Valley oriented, but it doesn't work. But it works, yoga, it works. Uh, and now, I think she said so. Actually, I think, and I encourage you all to uh, be more active on She Said So in in a way that you are now here, because I think that She Said So is very fulfilling at the end of the day. It's like, I have this quest or I I need to, and reach out to the music peers, female and male, but in this case, female music peers, it's a very good thing. I I met Amy on Monday and we were out together. We weren't talking what is going on with the music industry. And I think it's, it's very important to network and share because it also brings you back to friendship and you know it's it's a wonderful industry at the end we we all become friends or enemies but i tell you by the end of the day you all become friends even the enemies know that this is part of the job and uh and you know we shouted a lot with a lot of people that i know but then we know that we're sharing the same passion
1: brilliant well georgia thank you so much for your time thank you to you
2: all